And it's hi-ho, Sterling away. Perfect start for Fergie's boys with a 2-1 win down at Armadale. Meanwhile, Inglewood and Perth Red Star also pick up wins in round one. Balcatta and the Redbacks will meet in the Women's Night Series final next weekend. And COVID silently cancels more games than girls used to cancel dates on me back in my Tinder days. But enough about me, it's the Perth Football Podcast. And we are back for the sophomore episode of the Perth Football Podcast. It's always hard to back up after a solid debut, but that's exactly what we're hoping from myself, Sean Fry, and Kalichi Osanwa back again. Cal, how you doing, mate? You good? I'm good. How How are you feeling? It's the first the first one you can just get through on adrenaline. Yep. But this is where we find out your professionalism. Wait, this is this is when you've got to back it up, right? You can't just turn up on the Saturday and not turn up on the Wednesday as well. And this is the Wednesday performance for us. Away at Stoke, not feeling the best, but still here. Okay, why are you not feeling well? Because I had the bug, Sean. Okay, but that's right, I forgot about that. Uh, we were also joined by refereeing extraordinaire, Alex Navatsis. Alex? Mate, thanks. Uh, it's good to be here. And let me tell you, I don't believe that Tinder story one bit, especially with your Saturday Night Fever shirt on right now. No, Absolutely they, no chance. No, they... They, uh, they, they would silently cancel it quite regularly. It's actually just down the road here at the Balmoral one afternoon, I remember rocking up. I confirmed about an hour before that we were, we were meeting, and thankfully uh, a friend of mine was actually playing a gig there, so I ended up just looking like I'd come out to support him, so my shame was covered. <laughs> um, we're also joined by Josh Chiat. How, how are you? I got a second, uh, Alex, there with that one. I don't believe that story. The best-dressed man in West Australian football. This is why I can't. stood this up is, at bars. This is why we get you guys to come in to pad my ego. Thank you so much for Just that. Just no bow tie, uh, mate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, enough about me. Let's dive in <laughs> to the football action. We had some uh, cracking games over the weekend. We had some that didn't go ahead. Josh, what was your uh, little story over the weekend? You you headed out to a game that, that never was. Yeah, I had big dreams and big plans to head out to take um, the path less trodden and head down and watch an Australia Cup game between uh, UWA Netherlands. Uh, Don't you mean you went to go walk your dog? So, oh, sorry. Sorry, yeah. I went to go walk uh, my... I don't own a dog. I went to go walk my parents' dog. I went to go walk my parents' dog, uh, trying to keep... Trying to keep... Uh, please, uh, if there's any policemen involved in West Australian football, uh, I didn't mean what I first said <laughs> at the start of that sentence. No, so, so my plan was to check out the uh, UWA Netherlands uh, versus Northern City Australia Cup game, which I was pretty excited about given the exploits of Northern City last year, Division 4 amateur side who uh, knocked out Balger in a really exciting game early on in the competition, uh, only to find out that uh, the game had been postponed and uh, I was watching, uh, I think, uh, UWA's first team playing against their reserves wearing pink singlets. So a uh, very exciting day for me. I, I picked up a Sufra from a local cafe. I, I finished that, got packed in the car with, with the dog that was definitely there and uh, <laughs> and, and headed uh, back home to watch some of the uh, MPL football on the TV. You wanted a cup set and you got absolutely diddly squat. That's the content that you tune in for here at the Perth Football Podcast. Uh, let's start then with the game that we did see. I think you watched it on the TV. We alluded it to it in the intro, the Sterling v Armadale. Uh, what did you think of this one, Josh? It was a really interesting game. I saw that Armadale were uh, a, couple, uh, a couple people's selection potentially to go down. Uh, I didn't see it in that game at all. They did go down 2-1, but I felt that for a lot of that game, they actually got the better of Sterling. I think Sterling have a lot of quality going forward. I think they have some questions probably to answer at the back. They got undone by a couple of long balls, particularly on the goal. And uh, and Armadale just looked like they do have a lot of talent across that front four. 
I thought a real standout performer, Gordon Perkins, was he playing his first game of senior MPL football? Uh, he, he's definitely stepped up from the 18s and reserves last year. Tommy Dolman's not here today, so those kind of <laughs> stats are not going to be our forte. We're, we're just here for vibes, Josh. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But he was he was really sensational. He's unlucky not to get an assist and potentially a goal. So uh, a real find, I think, that Armadov got to, to pick him up and add him to a, a strong front line with Adriano Jelenovic, Angel Andres, and um, Peter Jacobs, who nabbed the goal. That was a yeah, great goal at the end of the first half. I thought I thought Jakobs was was probably the best player in the first half. He seemed very lively, and yeah, they, Tommy said on the commentary it was no more than they deserved uh, getting back into it just before the half. And and I think they can, Armadale can certainly feel a little bit hard done by. I think they had. Yeah, that, at least they matched it with the chances. They had a, a pretty tight offside call. I was sitting right on halfway in the first half. It looked onside to me, and there was through one-on-one. Um, with uh, with Sterling keeper James Bosdet, who Kel and I know back from our uh, Galazzo days playing FIFA uh, against him, um, one of the best FIFA players I've ever played against. He could, he could be a bit of a bastard as well. He certainly uh, mastered the dark arts. But I spoke with him on Facebook afterwards, actually, and, and <laughs> complained to him that, I was telling everyone that watch this guy. He's going to be injured for 20 minutes if they're a goal up. He's going to take two minutes on every goal kick. If he doesn't get booked, it's a miracle. And I said I was really disappointed in his lack of... Um, Did we miss out on a naughty boy of, of the year candidate? No, he, but he, his lack of shithousery was astounding. He was very well behaved. And when I complained to him about that, he just said, you've, you've got to be careful down in Armadale. It will be there this season. You, you will see his, um, his bad boy uh, side. But no, he, he was good as well. He made, made a couple of good saves. But uh, yeah, Armadale, I think... That offside uh, call and then oh, that penalty shout uh, in the second half. I don't know what you thought, Josh. You watched the game. It, it looked it looked like an interesting situation. I'd say from from the the video. Obviously, it was a little bit obscured actually on the video. Um, you may have got a different angle of it on the ground. It stopped the game for about four minutes when they were dealing with uh, the player that was down injured. I think Yankelovsky potentially uh, was down injured after that Sterling player, um, which contributed to six minutes of injury time where Sterling got three of their four yellow cards as well. <laughs> yeah, well, that'll, that'll uh, lead us nicely into the Naughty Boy uh, segment, which we uh, think we're going to grow to know and love. Um, I do want to say, before we'll probably say this every time we mention anything about refereeing decisions on this podcast. Me and Kel are both very, Kel and I, sorry for my grammar, both very uh, adamant that it's not a very easy job. Uh, it can be, as you'll know, Alex. It, you can you can be when you're out in the middle. Uh, there's a decision that you get a split second look at, and if there's a player that obscures your vision or anything, you, it's so hard to be sure. And if you're not sure, it's it's you don't want to give a penalty that's going to rob a team of three points. So it's a really really hard job. Um, although there is light at the end of the tunnel because we did have on our Facebook uh, post, John Anderson commented how much does the ref cost, how much they get paid, and I think. You, you'd have to ask that at Football West, what the pay is for referees. But John sounds like he wants to get involved and get out on the pitch. Alex, so what's his? What's the best way to do that? Yeah, so the best way to do it is uh, is to go to the Football West website and uh, under referees, um, it, all the courses are on there, so you'll be able to do a level four and, and go from there. But in terms of pay, depends who the ref is. If it's me, it's a hamburger and a can of coke. <laughs> if it's an MPL referee, it's a bit more. But uh, yeah, that would be the best way to do it. It would be good to get more referees out and about and uh, more games covered. Yeah, so if you're listening, John, please jump on. We, we, we want to see you out in the field. Um, uh, but all in all, great performance uh, by Armidale, but also a good performance by Sterling. Uh, one of the other things that, that James said, 
Um, when I spoke to him was that they, they, did, they had, I think one of their defenders was out and they had uh, a, a bit of a, a shake around at the back. Uh, and uh, also the same thing Michael Domfay said. I spoke to him after the game and he said that they just need to tighten up a little bit defensively. But, you know, it is round one. So, yeah, there's, there's plenty of improvement to be made. But uh, as, as I mentioned, I had a, had a quick chat with uh, their new striker, recently arrived from Perth, and here's what he had to say. Well, I'm here with the match winner, Michael Domfay. Uh, Michael, last time I spoke to you, you just scored the match winner uh, for Perth to win the league. Now, uh, new colours, uh, new team, uh, but is it the same uh, goal? Are, are you guys here, obviously not to make up the numbers, newly promoted, but you guys want the title? Yeah, that, yeah we're, we're here to, to obviously go all the way. Um, obviously, it's round one, it's good to get the win. It's still a long way to go, it's still a lot of improvements, but yeah, it's good, good to get off on a good start. You realise you're supposed to say no one game at a time. Every game's worth three points, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <that's> that. <laughs> now, uh, before we go on, you, you look like you're walking a little bit with a limp there. Are you okay? Any any problems? A oh, little, little bit of soreness. Um, uh, but other than that, I just think uh, it was a tough game, tough foot game. So um, I think Hugo, Hugo came on with some fresh legs, um, helped us see out the game. So yeah, I think it was just a, I'll be fine for next week. Okay, excellent. And what are your, I will let you get off to celebrate with the boys, but what have been your impressions of, of the side uh, through pre-season? A lot of new teammates, obviously. Uh, what are the strengths of this, of this new side? Yeah, it's, it's been a good change for me personally, obviously uh, moving on from a title winning team. Um, so yeah, overall this has been a good challenge. Um, new obviously challenges for me, but also Sterling's obviously nearly promoted, they want to go all the way. Um, overall as a side, I think there still have a lot of improvements to go um, from this game. I think going forward, we always look like a threat um, and we have a lot of goals in us, but I just think uh, we few few ways we can tighten up. I think sometimes we looked a bit vulnerable. Um, There's probably far too much crosses, but I've, and then we let them into the game, I thought. But I think overall, um, there's a lot of exciting players at this team. Obviously, Calvin's come as well. Um, so there's a lot of good quality, um, a lot of exciting football, but Again, I just think um, defensively we can tighten up on a few things. Well, a lot of stuff to work on, but it's uh, good to work on it when you're uh, one win, no losses, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think overall we had a positive um, night series. I think even pre-season really, really, really lost against Perth. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got a lot of positives to go. But as you know, it's a long season. So, yeah, take it one step at a time. Well, you took your goal with the composure that I'm used to seeing from you, mate. And the three points are yours. I'll let you go and celebrate. Thanks, you, mate. Cheers. Sean, how good is that, that he started off being like, yeah, we're going to win it all, and then ends the interview with, look, we're just going to take a one game at a time. How good is that? <laughs> Got to love Michael. Um, sp speaking of Michael, his, his strike partner, Alex Anevsky, how did he play? Uh, he's, he's Josh's pick for player of the year. Well, Josh, you, you take it away. I, th I thought he was, I thought that, yeah, they looked dangerous every time they went forward, but likewise, Armadale as well. It was a... Uh, I'm really not answering your question at all, but, but the, yeah, the the thing I said to, to Michael a bit after after we finished the interview actually was that it was really striking how they would have Armadale leaving three players up on halfway anytime they were defending, and Sterling would always have three back defending them. So all they would do is just thump a long ball over the top, and it'd be three on three. It was uh, yeah, the, the as we mentioned, the, a few players missing and perhaps that cohesion isn't quite there but they will definitely need to tighten up defensively if, if they're going to be that dark horse that uh, a few of us have picked for the for the title but what did you think? Yeah in terms of uh, Alex Tanevsky I thought he had some really nice touches in the second half uh, he's a really classy player like you could see as a player who can pick a ball in behind even if he doesn't wind up scoring lots of goals I think he had 11 and 11 games 
last year, so he didn't get through the whole season. He, he came back from uh, from Melbourne. He was playing for Preston, uh, as far as I'm aware. Uh, and he's a player who can just be a live wire at any moment for you. Really clever. Uh, myself and Kalichi, we saw him uh, playing against Perth in uh, the Night Series semifinals. A game that Sterling lost, but you could watch the way he plays when he's on the wing. And he's always looking at the defender. He's always looking to see when the defender's not looking at him, mm. looking at the ball. And that's the moment he goes and he gets in behind you. So he's going to be a really dangerous player. It's going to be a hard player to defend. In terms of Armadale, that long ball from Usury Garcava, the goalkeeper, that's going to catch out a lot of teams this year. Not a lot of teams play that way these days. Um, it's not necessarily going to be the way that they play the whole way through the season, but the players that they've got up top, uh, players like Perkins, Jakobs and, uh, and Andres, some of the touches they can take off those long balls, if you've got players who can control long balls like that, then it's going to catch defenders off guard, and they certainly got in behind the Sterling defence a few times on the weekend that way. Yeah, well, I picked Armadale to go down, uh, as you mentioned, a few of us did, but mostly just because they were five minutes away uh, from me and they were the first team that I thought of. And I think <laughs> bottom Back, half Tracking already. It, it, was, it was, well, hey, mate, there's zero, zero points out of three so far, so my prediction's looking, uh, looking bang on. But um, uh, Alex, what are, your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think one thing that sort of hasn't been brought to, to anyone's attention is Armadale's really hard to beat at home. They're, they're a tough team. Now, you've got Sterling, who put seven away against Florida in the night series for fun. Then they go to Armadale and they, they get a 2-1 win, which is a good result at Armadale. Armadale really good uh, from at, at their home ground. But what, what ends up happening is they end up losing to, to teams that they should be beating as well. But, yeah, it, it is a fortress for them. And um, with Sterling, again, they're, they're just an incredible uh, side at the moment. With, up front, you've got you know, Calvin Whitney, you've got Dunphy that have come, that's come across, Daneski as well that's got now you know, MPL Victoria experience. Um, so they definitely, I mean, I think they're better than a dark horse. Yeah, well, the uh, fortress, as you call it, has already been sieged down at Armadale. First loss of the season. Kel, uh, picking up their first win of the season. Was uh, Inglewood, you were down at that game? Yeah, managed to get myself down at Balcata and saw that performance. Um, unfortunately, I saw oh, the last like last 20 minutes of the first half and then saw the end of the second half. And Inglewood looked very, very good. Um, they looked really solid in, in the midfield in terms of... Um, in terms of Big Chol just playing in that and that, that six-role destroying, they've still got Buffer Busa um, playing out wide, but they have a front four that will bother a lot of teams. Um, their, their back four's decent. They've got Del Barolo in there. They've also got Ashita Levins who's, who's playing in there, and he's one of my favourite players. This guy is a doctor, or training to be a doctor, and playing at such a high level in terms of football. Like, what a talented individual there as well. Um, but their front, their front four is, is quick, they hustle, they harry, they're all technically brilliant on the ball. And um, I know that I, you know, not a lot of people have tipped Balcata to have a great season this year. Um, but anyone who plays Inglewood are, are going to struggle, um, especially if, if they want to counterattack. So, you know, when you said that Sterling were leaving three players and just going 1v1, if they do that against Englewood, that's trouble. Yeah. That could be a 4-4 four, four game. Uh, we're I think here for that. Important to point out as well that I always, I cannot help but think of uh, an interior design company when I hear Rashida Living. So that's just what that sounds like <laughs> to me. Great name, but great footballer as well. And yeah, re really good start for Inglewood. Really promising. Uh, what, what about the other side, Kel, the, the Balcata side? What did you, you, as you said, a few people have picked that they'll struggle. Obviously, you're saying that a lot of teams are going to struggle against Inglewood, but did that mean that Balcatter are, yeah, I don't know. What did you see? What did you see there? Bel Balcatter's big issue is going to be goals. Um, they have a very, very young side. 
And I think their, their real big bit of experience is Billy Kincroft. And he used to play centre-back for Armadale and do such a good job. But he's playing up front for them, um, for Belcada this year. And he had two half chances. And those half chances, if he has taken them, it's 1-1 at one end. And it's 2-1 at the other end. And if it's 2-1 with 15 minutes to go, that's a completely different game. But both chances, he kinds of spurns. And, and you've got to be cl clinical in these situations where you are a, a team that's set up to kind of hold and hold and hold and just play for that one chance. And when that one chance came, it was really, really difficult for him. Um, to be fair, I mean, I, I mentioned that he did have two chances, but he was pretty star for the rest of the game. Those were half chances. And it's going to be really difficult for him, especially when Inga would have players who can score 35-yard screamers into the top corner as well. Mm, early goal of the season contender, that one from Manasseh Abendelwa. You, you chatted with him after the game, but before we listen to that, Cal, uh, describe the goal for, for those out there that didn't see it or those that just want to uh, imagine it in their minds with your beautiful voice in the background. All right, let me, let me try my best to paint a picture. So a long ball gets played into the midfield. It gets headed down. Inglewood win the second ball. They're now at halfway. The ball gets past Wabendoa. He turns, but we're on the right-hand side. You know where the, uh, the stand is? We're about 10 yards in from there. He takes one touch, looks in field, and goes across goal into the far corner and it's just this arrow, and then he does the Ronaldo. Well, that's a disappointing uh, end, but... Uh, <laughs> so, sorry. So the, let's just go ahead with it, Kel. You've got the interview queued up, and I've jumped all over it, but that's just what I do. We, we want to let people in behind the curtain a little bit. Let's listen to what he had to say after the game. 3-0 win here. First game for Inglewood. Tell us how you feel in, um, in, in, in scoring that goal as well. Yeah, uh, it's a you know, great win. It's a great win for the team. I think the team played really, really well. It's uh, still building off from night series because we've had like a, like a week break and we're just getting back into like a good habits. Like um, we've been like, think this like, uh, it's a very like new team. But for like the first game, like proper first game of the season, it's good to get the win and start with good momentum. Look, uh, you, you guys had some really good games in the night series and it's yeah. a good game and to, to come out here and obviously state your intentions for the season. Yeah. So, so what's the season look like? What's the goal for the team this year? Is it top four? Is it league? What are you guys looking at doing as a group? As a group, I think the boys like all together, I'm pretty sure everyone will agree with me, we're winning, we're aiming to try and win the league. Obviously get top four as well if we can't, but the main goal is to win the league like as a group and as everybody as a team. Because we've come close before, and, like last year and the years before, but we're really aiming to get that number one spot this season. Yeah. And you scored an absolute cracker today, guys. Yeah. Look, tell us tell us about <laughs> that goal. What were you thinking when you hit that? Because it looked absolutely sweet from where I was. Yeah, honestly, like I when um, when Chris played me the ball, like I just took a first touch forward and I thought I have enough space to shoot outside the box. I'm really comfortable with shooting outside the box. So I thought let me just have a go, focus on the technique and just hit it well. And you did, man, in the celebration? Yeah, of course, of course. When, like a couple weeks ago, Ronaldo did the same thing, so I thought, it's only fair, it's only right. Appreciate it, bro. Thank no. you. <laughs> Ronaldo did the same thing as me, he says. We love it. Uh, I didn't mention that uh, Samuel Wynn, I think it was, the first goal scorer for uh, Sterling. That was a, that was a pretty yeah, special goal as well. Absolutely cracking strike, that yeah, one, into not, the far corner. Not quite not quite goal of the season contender, but, but that was a great one. Uh, there was one other game on the weekend that wasn't cancelled uh, due to COVID, and that was uh, Gwellup, who uh, travelled up to Perth Red Star. Yeah. Uh, you want to tell us about that one, Alex? Yeah, so they travelled up to uh, Red Star Arena, as it's now known as. Um, so the gate... Probably just before the game even started, probably mentioned uh, Danny Hodgson being able to to attend the match um, and, and be there. But what, what what was even better was during the 20s game when he did show up, players the referee stopped play, and everyone gave a standing ovation oh, from players right through to the crowd. So so for me that was probably 
better than football, which which is hard for me to say, but it was it was a really good gesture by by everyone involved there. Um, the game itself, um, where do we talk? We talk about goals. We talk about um, the naughty boys out the naughty there. Naughty boys. Alex. There was a lot of naughty boys out there. So you got Daryl Nickel. Um, he scored his first, which uh, Kalichi will be happy about. Um, getting getting him on the he board. Mess- early. He messages the group. He's got one goal. There's set six other the players out there with one goal. Top of the early league. Early leading this. Uh, Top of the league. Leading the golden boot. Yeah, hey, but Robbie Peckov hasn't even played a game yet. Give him a chance. Yeah, well, that's true. He, he hasn't played yet, but let's see how that one that pans out as well. But I think uh, Daryl on his day uh, really can can take the, the the game by the scruff of the neck and, and go from there. But in terms of yellow cards, I think there was about sixty five uh, yellow <laughs> cards. That was including people from the crowd. But um, there was a red. I think well up. Uh, someone had them down as naughtiest team. So there was there was five five, five yellows plus a. Indirect red, so two yellows and a red there as well. So, but in terms, in terms that's of the eight game, points so, in one so, game. So, who was the player yeah. that's taken the early lead in the naughtiest boy uh, this season? Ah, oh, the great man Cyril Shah. I'll tell you what. To have... <laughs> no, but he wasn't the red. Who got the red card? Oh, in ter- terms of the red card it, for for Grell up, it, it was two yellows. So he got a yellow card early. It was um, Formston, so he got early yellow. Um, and then the second one again uh, in the second half uh, and got his marching orders. And hey, um, you naughty, naughty boy. He is naughty. So I think that's the, the first red of the season and, and here's to many more. But sorry, go, go <laughs> on with to him particularly. Go on with it. We'll get your predictions as well. You made them last week. You were, you were, uh, you were in lockstep with, I think, most of the rest of the panel who picked uh, our mate Cyril as the, yeah. as the naughtiest boy this season. Well, he got off to a good start, didn't he? He did, yeah. And I've been lucky enough to, to referee uh, Cyril. Um, <laughs> And I will say lucky enough because I'm a guy that likes to throw a bit of banter out on the field of play. And when it comes back to me, I always just take a yellow card out just to show him I'm in charge and I put it back in. So it's always a good thing. But um, yeah, he uh, he started off well. And he's captain well up as well. So it's good to see that he's, he's taking... Uh, a lead with, with, with the club itself and, and hopefully uh, better things to come for Gwellup. What was the yellow for? What did he do? Uh, verbal. Yeah. But, um, Leading by example, of course. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. There, there's certain refs that like it and certain ones that don't and, and unfortunately this referee didn't like it. While we've got you talking about verbals, what's the, uh, what's the funniest thing you've booked someone for in terms of them saying something to you? Oh, there's many. Probably, probably the one on the weekend was very good. Um, he basically said, that my refereeing, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear at some level. Which, oh, go for it. We'll beep it out if it's too bad. I basically said, uh, you're refereeing shit house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, repeat, I've repeated back to him and said, oh, I'm the one that's got to watch you, mate. So you tell me what <laughs> He goes, mate, you can't say that. I said, okay, it's fair enough. So he's a yellow. Um, so <laughs> that, was, that was one of the better ones. Um, in terms of tackles, I've, set, I've had to send a player off for, for a pretty bad tackle. And he's walked past me. He says, but you used to tackle like that. I said, yeah, but that was 1953 when there was laces involved. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. But, you know, that, that was probably the best one where, where I've actually given a little bit back. And, uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, always one to uh, give it back, Alex. We know that. Uh, that'll wrap us up for part one. That We got to talk a bit more about those games because there weren't so many of them. We'll be back uh, with part two. And we're back with part two. We're joined by head of media at the Northern Redbacks. It's Neil Bennett. Neil, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, guys. How are you? Well, Neil, on the line, uh, we've got Alex Avatsis. Evening. Hi, Alex. How are you, mate? We've got Sean Fry, the, uh, the one that was interrupting us earlier. Yeah, g'day. And, <laughs> g'day, and Sean. You get used to that. And the quiet, smart one is Josh Chiat. Hi, how you doing, Neil? Welcome to the, uh, the Perth Football Podcast. Lovely to be here, guys. Thanks very much for inviting me on. No, look, we absolutely wanted to have you on. You've been a, an absolute stalwart of the game, especially in the women's game, um, I want to say since I've got here, but probably even longer than that. But look, 
Tell us about the game that happened on the weekend. The Redbacks have uh, made the win to a final. Yeah, they did. Um, came out of the group stage, uh, top of the table. Um, COVID, unfortunately, did have an impact on that, um, but um, came through unscathed and undefeated, so that was good. Um, and then ran into uh, Perth at Floriot on Saturday evening. And Perth, like a number of the clubs, uh, going through a, a transition stage or a rebuilding stage, really since NPL has started, I think clubs are still trying to find their feet. Um, so new coach in Pete Rakic and a lot of new players in there. Um, yeah, it was a good game. Um, first 15, 20 minutes or so, um, the, the younger Perth players really sort of took it to us um, and uh, had a couple of good chances and, and could have easily scored a goal. But I think once the once the group got itself sorted out, um, really started to, to press and press, went in nil-nil half-time and then got two good goals. Well, two good goals. They're always good goals, but two goals. Um, but then Perth came right back with 10 minutes to go and, and got one, and it was a bit of squeaky bum time the last 10 minutes there. So, uh, But we got over the line in the end. I mean, that's superb. It's, it's always good to, to, to get over the line, especially in those tough, tight games. I know playing against Perth is never easy as well. No, it's not. Um, and they've got a lot of talented young players there. Um, you know, and, uh, given, the, given the season as it progresses, we'd expect them to, to grow together a lot of... XNTC players have come in there. They've still got some injury players to come back as well. Uh, Jamie Gibbons has still got to come back. She's moved over from Mum. And uh, Caitlin Douglas is still recovering from her ACL last year. So she'll hopefully come back into the fold for them. But yeah, they'll be a tough team to beat. Um, and I think that they'll be a top four contender by the end of the season. Pete's got pedigree in terms of his coaching when he was at Mum, uh, winning the league in the first year. Um, so he's, he knows what he's about. But I think with Redbacks, um, it's it's very much a case of steady as she goes. Uh, the squad hasn't changed a huge amount from last season. We've got a new goalkeeper in there in Shivani, who came from Perth. Um, but yeah, the, the squad has basically stayed together. And I think that that experience and, and know-how got them through the game on Saturday. So I was going to ask you about the ch any changes to the squad. You, you, you say it's, it's pretty much all, all still the same. Who are the... Uh, is Sean still captain? Yeah, Sean's, Sean's still skipper. She was away. Uh, she wasn't able to play on Saturday. Um, and uh, she won't be able to uh, play in the final either because she's getting married uh, next weekend. So selfish, good luck to her for yeah, that. Selfish. Yeah, selfish. <laughs> That's right. She got the timing all wrong. Um, but no, Sean's still captain. We've welcomed back Bron Studman. Uh, Bronnie Studman, she's come back. Oh, great. Uh, she, had, she had a year out um, with some knee problems. Um, she's FIFO, so she won't be with us every weekend. And... Um, you know, uh, we've still got the the 200 game club players there: um, Carla Bennett, um, Renee Liotta, uh, Emily Dunn, oh, wow. and Larry Walsh. They're still there, um, so they'll still be going around for another season. Kim Carroll's coming back as well from uh, from Perth Glory. Sarah Carroll as well, and uh, we got Testa Leo came over from Perth as well. But unfortunately, season's injured at the moment. But a very promising crop of youngsters coming through. Uh, Olivia Wood. Um, has really started the pre-season night series very much on fire. And she's only a young 17-year-old kid, um, and she came into the first team last year and struggled with them on a few occasions, but she's really come to the fore now, and we're expecting big things from her this season. How does it, uh, how does it change the complexion of the competition from the night series when uh, those players from the Perth Glory do return to the local clubs? To be honest, I don't think it's going to make a huge amount of difference. Um, 
Fremantle are going to pick up uh, Tash Rigby. Um, but unfortunately, um, the bulk of the Perth Glory players are from over east. Um, so there's very few West Australians are going to be coming back. We're hearing rumours that Sadie Lawrence may not be coming back, which is a real shame because Mum have lost a huge number of players. Yeah. Uh, Abby Green, uh, we've heard, is uh, is going to be staying over east as well. Um, and then Hannah Lowry is staying over east. Um, Morgan Aquino potentially going overseas. So there's not many West Australians coming back. So it's not going to be a massive difference. It's not like there's going to be huge input. Uh, probably the biggest miss is Gemma Crane. Um, sounds as if she's got an injury issue, which could be long-term for the season. So that would be a big miss for Perth. Um, but yeah, Tash is probably the biggest one coming back. Um, Isabella Wallhead and Tian McKenna are already back with Freo, I think. Um, and I think Tian played. Uh, on Saturday evening against um, against Balcata in the other semi-final there. So, yeah, not not a huge number coming back, but we're very, very pleased that we're getting Kim and Sarah coming back, definitely. Neil, just with Sean's wedding, obviously, this weekend in the night series final, would that uh, have an impact on the number of players being able to play that would attend the wedding? Um, if it had been played on a Saturday, yeah, we'd have been struggling. Um, but I think because it's on the Sunday now, um, uh, we, we're not as concerned about it um you know it's these things recovery, happen those ladies then, yeah, huh? you're not concerned about their uh, perhaps not being at up to match fitness for the for the day <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's good it's a good thing that it's a night series right so yeah. they, so they are 3, 3 p.m series <laughs> yeah, get an extra it's, few it's hours. Not, it, yeah it's not the early kickoff but no i mean that that goes with it um they're, they're not professional athletes uh, Strictly, but they do take great care of themselves, and uh, I think um, those that, that are attending will come back uh, in a frame of mind because I think the overriding thing for a lot of them, uh, the older players in particular, is this is the very last Northern Redbacks game, uh, and I think a lot of them, having played 200 games plus now, will really want to put a stamp on that. Um, you know, the, the final chapter of, of Northern Redbacks and will want to go out uh, making it something special. It does seem to be, I think, um, sorry, I'm blanking on his name, Luke from uh, Mum FC. Luke Thompson, yep. Luke, yes, we spoke to Luke last week, and he, he mentioned to us the the real strong uh, the friendship bonds that are in, in the teams with the with the women's league in particular. Obviously, all the men's league has the same thing. You know, you've, you've got mates, and uh, yeah, I think when Dean Evans had his, Wedding, obviously, there were there were a few players short because a lot would, um, and well, I think Florida in particular are, are one team where they do have a, a real core crew of of mates. But it seems to be really prevalent in in the women's game in particular. Is that, is that your experience as well that the, they seem to be really tight knit units? Yeah, definitely. You can lose a team overnight, um, you know, just with one or two individuals not being happy, and then the friend the friendship group goes. Um, so it is a different dynamic. Uh, within a female team um, but those that are really serious just put that to one side and I think we've seen that um, with Mum that the fact that they were triple winners last season and so many of them have now left um, they've put all that to one side because a number of them are chasing their own individual hopes and dreams and you know fair play to them that's, that's what they need to do but it's meant that that team has now going to be almost completely unrecognisable from the side that went around last season. Um, 
it's a big issue, not in terms of us losing players because they walk, or, you know, they go to other clubs, but we are very well aware that that group of players that have played 200 games plus, how much more can we get from them? Um, and it was great in the semi-final on Saturday that of the starting 11, only three of them were over the age of 25. Uh, the rest of them were all under the age of 21, which is a real sign that the club is going through this transition now. And our under-21s uh, are looking very promising as well. So we're digging deep into that squad um, to augment the senior players. And the senior players are, are being very much mentors for those younger players. So the transition, we hope, will not be seamless. It never is. But it's ongoing. Um, and we've, we're pretty confident that we've got a good, strong core group now. Uh, that will continue with us for a good few years. Yeah, I think the general consensus is that you guys are looking quite strong for this season. Now, Luke uh, gave us his sort of wrap-up of the league and who he thought were going to be the, the real title challengers. Uh, who do you think, obviously, it seems, sounds like you guys will be at least setting your sights on or, or around the top of the table. Who, who, are you, who are your real challengers? Obviously, Fremantle looking strong. Uh, anyone else in mm. particular? Yeah, I think um, it'll be a tough game on Sunday. Balcatta traditionally against Redbacks has always been a tight game. I mean, we've only ever been a stone's throw away from each other. Um, that obviously changes this season with the relocation of the NPL teams up into Tundalup. But um, they will be tight. Um, and I think that they've got a, a lot of good young players come to them, a new coach. Perth, as I mentioned, I think um, you know they're, they're going to be a team that will grow as the season goes on, and then obviously Fremantle. I think it's 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 sad that with Mum, in a way that you know they're not able to continue with the success that they've had, but they'll still be fighting. Um, you know, they're, they're too proud uh, to not. NTC is just the the wild card. You never know what you're going to get with NTC from week to week. Um, some weeks, and in the very first season, I can distinctly remember they went out and absolutely belted Fremantle. Uh, five or six one down at their place, and then Jeez. lost to Curtin, I think, the following week, or to to Subiaco. I don't think it was because Subi didn't win a game in the first season. So that fluctuation is always difficult, and yeah, they they can be really really dangerous. So you don't know how they're going to pan out. And then it's a rebuilding phase still. Uh, I think Subiaco and Curtin still have to find their feet, but Curtin will be very very organised um, under Dom. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think there'll be a to be than last season. Subiaco did show signs that they were becoming a very tough side physically. Um, whether that continues or not, um, we wait and see. But can't really see those two teams being top four challenges. But on their day, they're going to give you a game. So you have to be switched on and ready for them. Um, you mentioned that it was going to be Northern Redbacks' last official game um, as the Redbacks. And obviously there is this merger that's happening. Um, speaking of previous players, I know for a fact that they said that they loved playing for the Redbacks because they did make a focus and an emphasis on the women um, because prior experiences had been, um, shall we say, inadequate in terms of making mm -hmm. sure that you know the, the ladies' teams had the right facilities, had the right training, um, uh, training capabilities as well. So in, in terms of this merger, uh, I suppose for lack of a better phrase, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get an idea of how much of it is there to make sure that you, you still keep that identity, that, that the women can still come to Perth Red Star knowing that they'll get as good a crack as they could if, uh, if Redbacks were still about? Yeah, so 
there will be eight teams under the Red Star banner that are, are female teams, so the two NPL teams. They will be playing up at Joondalup, um, but they'll continue to train at Celebration Park, as will the other six. And the other six teams will train at Celebration Park with all of the coaching facilities that we've got there and all of the coaches that we've got there. So there will be no fighting for, for resources from a training point of view. So the, the female aspect of that from a training point of view, we're absolutely 100% in control of that game day. Um, up at Joondalup, we will be playing with the men on, on Saturdays uh, on some fixtures, but other fixtures um, will be on a Sunday and it'll just be the women there. We're really confident that the, the approach that was made to us by, by Mark Donnelly was very much along the lines of aligning with keeping the women's side of it on an equal footing with the men. Mm. Um, he was adamant that his experience of college football in America showed him clearly what you can do when you get the right resources and you get the right people in place. Awesome. Um, and that's really where he's come from with his thought process about how the women are going to fit in the club structure. He wants them on equal footing. We had it written into the Constitution. Um, and we're very confident that we're not going to be shoved off to one side. The only the only teams that will play on the pitch at Joondalup will be the NPL men and the NPL women. Uh, there'll be no juniors playing there. There'll be none of the overage teams playing there. Um, and nobody will be training on that main pitch. Um, so that's going to be kept as pristine as possible. Uh, we'll have access to all the facilities from the sports science department at ECU with Mark Scanlon. Um, obviously, I was tapping to Kenny Lowe's experience and everything. So I think, yeah, we're confident that if a kid comes to us at the age of nine or ten, mm. as they can do now, and they can come to our under-12 team, hopefully an under-10s the following season, they've got a clear pathway where it will be so solely focused. The people that they will be connecting with will be focused on the women's aspect of the club um, and there would be no difference. Uh, Mark's very keen to call them players. He doesn't like calling them men or, or women. They're players. Uh, everybody's going to get the same strip. Everybody's going to get the same facilities. So it's very much a 50-50. That's terrific to hear. And look, Neil, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for, for, for coming and speaking to us. Yeah, thanks, mate. Best of luck in the night series final and hopefully we'll uh, hear from you soon as well. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a bittersweet experience, but if we can if we can get over the line, I'm sure we'll celebrate in true Redback style. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, th thank you again for joining us. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, have you back on at some point in the future. Good luck for the season, and we'll speak soon. Terrific. Thanks very much indeed for having me on, guys. Thank you. All right, we will be back uh, shortly with part three. Quick insert before we head over to part three, just to thank our lovely sponsors who will be back with some special offers for you next week. Keep an ear out for that. That's Hush Connective, the Mind Body Lounge and Physio for All. Thank you, guys. And, yeah, keep an ear out. There'll be some cryo uh, treatments and some discounted physio services and uh, some all your podcasting needs down at the Hush Connective. Go and look all them up. We'll uh, tell you more about those next week. And we're back, part three. We are going to quickly wrap up the Australia Cup games that happened over the weekend and then dive into some European football action, hop on a plane and fly over that way. But uh, before we get there, Australia Cup, Josh, you wanted to go and see a cup set live. Uh, we already went through that. Didn't happen. Uh, but there were a couple over the weekend. What happened? Yeah, so th there was... Uh 
there were maybe fourteen or fifteen games. So I don't know if I'll be able to get through all of them, but one Just of give us the big cup sets. One of the one of the big cup sets we had was Maddington, uh, second in the Amateur Premier League last year. Definitely a club that's made no bones of their desire to push into the state league in the future. They came out with a four four draw against Balladura all the way down in Division Three, so four leagues between them. And Balladura won on penalties. So that's a big cup set there. Maybe the, the first massive cup set that we've had in the Australian, in the WA rounds of the Australia Cup. And, uh, and uh, another big one as well. Kingsway heavily favoured to be one of the top teams in State League Division 1, losing down to, to Gosnells, who are uh, really not in anyone's selections, probably for, for promotion in there. So that's definitely uh, one that might put the cat among the pigeons a little bit. How you were nodding and smiling egregiously there while uh, Josh was talking about Maddington. Have you got something to say? I, I am not here to gloat on the misery of anybody, Sean. <laughs> I just wanted to say shout out to Balladura and Michael Hoy. Michael was the guy who helped us with the, the logos and the symbols. So, Michael, ahoy hoy. Congratulations on the win, man. Lovely guy. Same Michael Hoy that might have come down to a couple of the uh, Galazzo FIFA tournaments, I think. People's yeah. champion, man. So, if, it's, if his team's winning and if it's against Maddington, sure. Awesome. All right, last little bit of Australia Cup action. Alex, you had a game on the weekend? Yeah, I did. I was lucky enough to uh, referee uh, North Beach uh, versus South Perth. And they talk about the magic of the cup. And if you saw me running for 90 minutes, there's the magic right there. But, um, yeah, it, it was interesting. North Beach, who um, who I believe lost to North Perth, Gleachy. No, they knocked us out. Or, they knocked us out 4 five. or 5-1. So it wasn't, it wasn't just a small beating. It was a touch-up. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, well, funnily enough, North Beach, who I thought were, were definitely dominating the game, and they went 1-0 up in the first five or six minutes, held on until the 50-odd minutes where um, South Perth came out, the better side, and, and sort of uh, equalised. And uh, it was actually 89 minutes and 52 seconds where they've whipped the corner in and keepers fumbled and the balls trickled over slowly. And, uh, yeah, fin- and that was that. Was that. And, and you didn't give the, r- the free kick to the, to the keeper? No, as I said to the coach, I can't give a free kick for a keeper that hasn't been touched by anyone, just trips over. It's not, not my fault. <laughs> I can't do anything with that. And... He acknowledged it and said, yeah, nah, fair enough. I we got a shout for it and uh, we moved on. I, th- I thought that was the rule. I thought if the goalkeeper goes down, it was a free kick. No, that's just ridiculous. No, no. no. We don't, <laughs> listen, it, then I've got to start protecting Cyril. And we, you know, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. Know. A point. <laughs> listen, it gets to a point where you've got to go, right, we've got to cut the line somewhere. Ross, how many times that man going to get a mention? I, I think there'll be a few more as the season goes on. Uh, let's head to Europe. Let's talk about what's been going on there to, to wrap up the podcast. Anyone want to dive in on the El Clasico, Barcelona? Owner are back? Yeah, I don't know. Is it an El Clasico anymore? You got Ronaldo gone, Messi gone, all the big names are gone, and and it's still classified as the El Clasico. I don't know. It's well, Real Madrid are still winning the league. They're still in the Champions League. They're they're still up there. Barcelona resurgent. Aubameyang scoring goals. Yeah, eleven or twelve points behind Real Madrid still. So it, it's uh, it's almost the old Rangers and uh, <laughs> Celtic situation. I was going to say, I saw a funny one on the, on the Twitter uh, earlier where someone was going, I can't believe Barcelona have bounced back before Manchester United have. And I, it made me smile. Yeah, yeah, I can believe it. Because um, I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be They were supposed to have no monies. They were supposed to have none. No monies whatsoever. The DNA, Kels. And the here they DNA, are. You get Xavi in there. Everyone was questioning that and whether that was going to be... Maybe that's a... what Man United need to do. They need to bring a club man exactly. who understands the club. Get a club legend Give it gigs there. I'll tell you what. You know who you get back? You get Roy Keane back. And then you'll see something. You'll see some fire. Let me tell you. One of my favourites. I think Barcelona is one of those teams, though. They have the reputation. So they just need to wait for it. 
a couple of good players to go on strike at the clubs that they're playing at, like Obama Yang, and uh, when they yeah, when they want away, yeah, and then they'll uh, then they'll turn up when they get to the club are they want to play at. Are you trying to say that it might be more appealing for someone to live and work in sunny Barcelona over cold, dreary Manchester? Oh, cold, cold, dreary, dreary North London as well. I think. Well, we we do have a West Ham fan in the studio for the first time, Josh. Uh, you unmasked yourself earlier as a as an Irons man. Uh, we did ask the Leeds fans in last week why Leeds were staying up. Let's uh, ask you why West Ham can maybe it's probably going to be hard now losing to Spurs, but they can that, still make the Champions still League. Make that top four, they can still be in the Champions League next year. All right, let's hear from Josh. Yeah, you know I do this math all the time when I'm playing career mode in, in FIFA. Uh, to see if I to see if I to see if I can still win the league. Um, I think we've got eight games left. The best we can do is about seventy-two points. Do we get over Arsenal with that? I don't know. Arsenal playing very good football at the moment. Uh, probably the lack of investment in the summer, uh, in the uh, transfer window rather, um, halted our chances of getting a Champions League spot. But we're still in there for the Europa League. We had a great win. Moisey in night. Europe. Great, great win the other night against Sevilla uh, and some great moments as well. Uh, on top of that with Yarmolenko scoring a couple mm. of winning goals. That goal against Aston Villa was up there with moments of the season from a from a emotional standpoint. I, I saw that. And, he's and they all gave him a round of applause. The entire stadium, even the Aston Villa fans, gave him a sad ovation. And, and you got to be honest with this football. Like he hasn't looked all season really like he he wanted to be out there. Um, but he's had a really tough time the last few weeks. So it was really brilliant seeing him score that goal, and it just shows um, how much more football is than than what it is. It's more than a game. It's politics. It's culture. It's everything. It's life. Mm. It's life. Uh, an- another another mention that I need to get in there before we move on to probably what we'll wrap up with, which will be the the FA Cup fixtures over the weekend is uh, a man that I've been banging the drum for for pretty much since he moved to AS Roma, the Sporting Association of Roma, and that's Tammy Abraham, who no one is talking about, uh, which is a bit strange. It, it seems like you leave England and everyone just forgets about you. But this guy, I think he's got 21 or, or maybe even more now, but he scored two goals in the Rome uh, derby. I think he's the second English player ever to do it. He's scored more goals than anyone in their first year at the club in history. And no one's talking about Tammy Abraham. Uh, every time I watch him, and you watch him on the highlights, you watch him on the extended highlights, but it, but if you watch a full game is when you, at the moment is when you get the full Tammy Abraham impression. Then he's a live work, hell. I really like watching Tammy Abraham. I, I really like Tammy, not just because he's a Nigerian, shout out, but also because like his movement's good, his touch is good, he's strong on the ball, he can play on the left shoulder, right shoulder, he can play in behind, he can play short, he's good in the air. He just needed to have a team that was built around him. And and this is one of the, the worst things about the big four kind of monopoly is you end up having these players who were super talented, super, super talented, who never really get a chance. And the most the most recent example before him, you can even talk about Tamori. You can talk about Jesse Lingard, who goes to West Ham, gets put in an infrastructure in a place where it's look, go express yourself. And all of a sudden, he's doing a great job. The, the sad part that's probably going to happen is he's going to do so well and people are going to be like, all right, when's he going to get a move to a big team? And you'll tell me this, um, Nova, back in the day, not everyone went to the big teams. And they still had impact. They still had careers. They still got jobs done. They still had the the cachet. And, and I, 
I hope he stays there. I really hope he stays there because he's loved. He's got a he's got a manager. We don't like the manager, but he's got a manager <laughs> who trusts him, who puts him in an infrastructure and a place where a where they're playing for him. And and you look at just really quickly before we go, um, you look at Lukaku. Lukaku's an even better striker than him, but there's they're not playing to his strengths, and like it, that, that breaks my heart to see. So shout out to Tammy Abraham's man, give that man his flowers. You're right, Sean. Yeah. W- were you saying nice things about Jose Mourinho? Was that? No, that we were saying that? we were saying bad things about Jose. But I think what you'll find with him, you won't see a Roma too upset about him not in the spotlight either, because yeah. no one's looking at him. Well, they're looking at him and going, well, this is this is he's a good player, but he's he's knocking goals in for fun. So they they're like, mate, we've got this player, and, and it could be a player for life for me. Yeah, you know that that will stay at the club, and that that's a good thing. I mean, you look and you talk about players that leave clubs and go to. You look at Paul Pogba when he was at Juventus; he had an opportunity to express. He goes to Man United, and he's locked away, and he's got one of the best defenders behind him in Maguire. <laughs> they just laugh. Have, have we got the Benny Hill music? I tell you what, <laughs> and and the best bit is he's been selected for the England squad too. So this is this is what I don't don't understand. But how with Pogba, it, the same thing has happened. You go to a club that you can express yourself, and, and look what's happened there. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's move on then. We'll have a little, maybe wrap up with a quick chat about Manchester United since we've got you in a a first Manchester United fan, hopefully the last we get in to the (laughs) studio. But let's run over the FA Cup action. We had Everton obviously uh, going out, getting thumped by Crystal Palace and Frank Lampard complaining they don't have bollocks, uh, I think. Kel, It's never his fault, Frank. Due to my favourite... It's never, ever been his fault. My favourite quote was, um, it wasn't the tactics. You could see in the first 20 minutes they couldn't get out of their half. Uh, it was the not having bollocks in the... So I was like, okay, so when it's working, it's, 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 it's the tactics. When it's not working, they don't have bollocks or they don't have the ovaries to do it, as you would say, Cal. <laughs> um, yeah, so we don't need to talk too much about that. Everton, Dismal, Palace go through. Uh, we won't play them in the semi-finals, Cal, because we've got another Liverpool-Manchester City clash after our beloved Reds got up over our not-beloved Reds uh, down at Forest. Uh, did you watch that game? I assume you did. What were your thoughts on this one? Saw some highlights. Good to see some other players get a run. Um, good to see Joe Gomez play. I really like Joe Gomez. I think he's probably the best, sorry, the second best defender that we've got. But the other three are just amazing right now. Um, I think it's, honestly, this is what you should be, every Liverpool fan should be excited for this because playing in these games... Like, this is what you want. If you if you want your team to win trophies and to win the big trophies, you want to have to play the big matches and you're going to have to win these big matches. So embrace it. Embrace playing City twice in a week, twice in 10 days. Embrace playing the quarterfinals. Em- embrace all of it. This is this is what you want. When you had Stuart Downing, this is what you wanted. <laughs> yeah, you've got... I mean, Stuart Downing, I think, was still man of the match in our uh, trophy that we won in his era, that League Cup final against Cardiff. But those were dark days, Kia, where it's, things are a bit shinier now. I thought the game was really hard to watch. I, I hate watching these games where you're on a knife edge because it's players that don't play regularly. And But that's just for me as a as a supporter. I think that's what we've done really well this season is rotate that squad and get those players in and still get the results. Mm. Uh, quite lucky to get the result in this one, I think. They, they missed some guilt-edge chances. I, I can't remember. I'm just doing them a disservice by not remembering any of their names, the, the Forest players. But uh, any thoughts on the, the penalty? That was a dive. No thoughts whatsoever. No thoughts whatsoever. Okay. I was going to say, um, how good are Man City? Man City are very good. I, I liked what I liked what Klopp said, uh, which basically what you were saying. These big fixtures are going to come. If you go deep in a cup, you're going to meet City at some point, most likely. And it's a semi-final and not the final. Hopefully, Palace do us a, a, a favour against Chelsea. Uh, who? What was what was their result? 
they played somebody. Yeah, they, and yeah, they, they won. did. They did. Yeah, that's right. Correct. Chelsea did play somebody and they won. That's the kind of <laughs> level of research we do. That's it, Alice. You're here football, for. Po- it's Perth football podcast. You can't expect. For us example, to, to for know example, Nova, you. Nova. Just, just to reiterate that, that point, Nova. What would you give to see Manchester United in a Champions League quarterfinal, FA Cup semi-final? What would you give? Oh. To be honest, I'd probably go to back to the future, jump in the car and go back when Scolzi was playing, <laughs> go back when Keane was there. That's when I wanted to watch him play, when th- there was heart. Yeah. There was, you know, when they say, you know, wearing your heart on your sleeve, that's when it was. Now it's, okay, where can I find another $300,000 a week and I'm going to jump club? It, it's really sad. And it's really sad. And they, they blame manager after manager after manager. It's not, And that's why I, I said Roy Keane. But I wasn't kidding. This guy will come in. <laughs> And he would absolutely tear shreds off every anyone and everyone. And like, like, so, like vi- so violence is the solution. I, honestly, yeah. if you no, get, no, but it's I'd, I'd be happy for you to get Roy Keane in. If if you think he's going to turn the club around, I, I think you need a bit. <laughs> more. It, it needs. Well, I agree. It, yeah, you'd, you'd bring him in as an assistant. Mm. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, what would you give to to see your team in a semi final? What would you? What would I? Well, I'd give anything to see my side in the, at the moment in the top four. Don't worry about anything else. <laughs> yeah. You're just struggling. Gary Neville was ripping into people on Twitter today talking about managers and owners and uh, players all going out, uh, going to the cricket and going to the UFC. And he's, he's really he's really pissed off these players have a life outside of Manchester United. He's, if you lose, you, you'd be locking yourself up, which a few people pointed out that that would have been really harsh on the... It's pretty much a stay-at-home order for his Valencia side when he was uh, managing down there. They would have never got out of the house. <laughs> yeah, that's that old-school mentality. That's, that's what that is. But he's just proud that he's the better of two brothers. That, that's what he's happy with. <laughs> but in terms of, yeah, I mean, that, that's what it was. I mean, they, they celebrate having a loss. Yeah, it was, it was, it was giant killers Middlesbrough that Chelsea uh, turned over two 0 By the way, just to make sorry, sure sorry, Luke, fans. mate. Sorry, Luke. <laughs> well, they are giant killers. They beat Man United, so there they knocked go. them out. There you go. Uh, look. I think that's all we got time for here on the Perth Football Podcast. It's been a good one. It's been great to have you and uh, Josh into the studio for the first time. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It was a brilliant experience and uh, hopefully we'll be here for the junior show next week. Nova, it is never a chore and always a pleasure to see your face. Even better when we get to talk to you for an extended period of time. Thank One you of the so greats. much for yeah. joining us. I'll definitely be in with my uh, flares to match your shirt next week, mate. Kalichio <laughs> <laughs> Sunwa, it's... I don't want to reuse lines, but it, it really is always a pleasure, mate. Thanks again. You truly are. The <laughs> and you have all been wonderful, Rob. Our producer, you've been wonderful as well. You look wonderful. Thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody. We are going to say bye, 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 everyone. Bye. You can all right. bye, bye. 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 Stay safe. See you next Wear week. Your mask. See you next week after a classic Women's Night Series final. Can't wait for that one.